Rachel Needle from Talking With Tech. And I'm Chris Bouguet from Talking With Tech. We have a podcast dedicated to augmentative and alternative communication, all things related to helping kids with complex communication needs. If you have a passion for helping people with language disabilities, this is the show for you. Each episode features an interview or a roundtable discussion on a topic related to augmentative communication and helping people with language disabilities. And we're really passionate about giving practical strategies to clinicians working in the field who are working with children or adults, anything related to AAC. So you can look us up on iTunes or you can find us on Facebook. We've got a group over there or check out our website at bit.ly slash TWT podcast. Please join our community of professionals that are working to ensure that everyone can say whatever they want to say, however they want to say it. The views and opinions expressed during this show do not necessarily reflect like the, the policy or position of any affiliated workplace or employer. The views and opinions of the show do not constitute recommendations for therapy. Please, Please contact, contact a licensed SLP for individual consult on your situation. Please listen carefully. What is communication? An essential behavior of life. We have the both blessing and responsibility of trying to foster another. It's transmitting a thought from one person to another. It's the strongest way for two people to convey information to each other. The back and forth between two people. Communication is a lifeline. It's just connection with other people. Connecting people in terms of ideas or thoughts or needs. Draws us out of ourselves, draws us into that relationship, you know, builds up our families. Without it, we'd be lost. Whatever it is that we do to express intent and achieve an impact. Communication is the ability to express your needs, wants, frustrations, and desires to anyone that you feel needs to have that information. Welcome to Speech Science episode number 137. I'm Matt Hot, joined as always by Michelle Wintering. How's it going, Matt? Hi, Michelle. Michelle is a pediatric uh, focused SLP. I, of course, work in the schools and do home health care. And our third voice, who is not here, that is Michael McLeod, runs a private practice uh, out of Philadelphia. Uh, Michelle, where's Mike tonight? I mean, we just went for the full triple of, what is that, a turkey and bowling? You're hey, a bowling hey. coach, right? Three babies in a row. Three babies, all girls. All girls. <laughs> all of us just had baby girls in the last couple months. We had the we had ours in the fall, uh -huh, in Yours October in or September. Yes, and okay. she just said yes to both. <laughs> she's five months old, <laughs> so let's do the math backwards. It is February, January, December, it is November, March. Good October. Try. No, it's not. She's not six months yet. Yeah, but it is March right well, now. Okay, <laughs> but March 18th, she'll be six months. So let's count backwards. Yes, and then yours was in the winter time, and Mike's was still in the winter time. So, yes, my daughter was born in December. Oh man, welcome to Speech Science. If you can't tell, Mike is out uh, with his baby. So, congrats, Mike. On today's show, we are going to be talking about aphasia and potential dementia links. We're also going to be checking in with the American Speech and Language Hearing Association. Michelle and I are going to go over some of our favorite tips and tricks. Uh, in therapy when you don't have anything else that you can pull out of your bag. Uh, we also got our new segment and of course the due process and the shout outs. But before all of that, we want to hear from you. So make sure you over 
I broke my microphone there, Michelle, as I clicked it. I lost you there for a minute. Oh, I know. I hit the microphone cord. Oops. We want to hear from you. Head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. And from there, you can always call or email speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com or text message 614-681-1798. Of course, we're also on patreon.com slash speechsciencepodcast and merchandise dot speech science podcast.com is where you can get some cool swag did you order your you got your sweater <laughs> i had it on just so you would see you it on the it. recording tonight i am for anyone listening i am wearing a super comfy speech science podcast crew neck sweatshirt and michelle you are taking over the designs because i am terrible right <laughs> we possibly i don't know there we go also, uh, check out the Discord. Uh, I was on the Discord this week or last week. And who was I chatting with? I was chatting with Marissa, who is over on the Discord. And uh, she was super mad at us for delaying the drop of season five. As she said, she was looking forward to that between her, her drive. So Marissa, what up? And you can also join the Discord. It's discord.speechsciencepodcast.com. Michelle. Thanks for listening, Marissa. <laughs> What has been going on with you? Oh, just uh, taking care of some tiny humans and <laughs> um, like much of the country, uh, dealing with the cha- change in temperature swing that we had a 90 degree change between a week ago and the week after between the winter storms that a lot of the country were facing. Did you all uh, get a lot of snow out there? In we did get a lot of snow, but... Um, I think Kansas is is much more used to that happening each year mm, than unfortunately a lot of where the country was hit and people were out of power. So, um, you know, hoping that people listening are doing okay. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it hit us pretty good. I think we got six or eight inches here in Ohio. Uh, but, you know, up here in Ohio, like you said, we're kind of ready for that. So that was brutal down in Texas though, man. Mm-hmm. Yep. And all the people out of power and not being able to access food sources pretty rough but on a completely unrelated note texas opened up everything today did you see that i did not yeah they uh turned down their mask order so all the businesses are open and you know covid doesn't exist in texas anymore hey that's where i'm moving (laughs) are you really are you going it is uh, yeah it looks like we are headed back to texas different part of texas but which part texas um not far from austin i don't know where that's at so (laughs) (laughs) where in the state is austin (laughs) if i cut the state into four corners plus the little top hat where's austin (laughs) we're talking on the eastern side thank you uh, thank you you. not far east texas is huge right yeah sorry if you couldn't tell by my sheer do you watch fixer upper no Waco, Texas, where, no. um, well, I bet there's people listening who back me up on this. All right. That you watch fixer upper and, um, the Waco, Texas Magnolia farms are located very close to where we will be. Oh, you could have said somewhere between San Antonio and Houston. And I would have understood that. You don't know where Austin is, but you no. know, San Antonio and Houston. Yeah. Cause they got sports teams. <laughs> Austin has sports teams. Do they? I'm sure they do. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, so when did you find out you're moving down there? Um, it's pretty recent. Nice. Well, yeah. Congrats again. You're going. No, yeah. see, you weren't in Texas before, were you? 
Yes, I was. Oh, okay. Yeah, you were. Then you uh, my son was born in El Paso, Texas. Oh. I mean, I was gonna tell you we're between Dallas and um I mean, well, it's not really between Dallas and <laughs> I would have understood that. All right. Well. I mean, it's kind of in between all the cities that you're probably thinking of, San Antonio and Houston and mm -hmm. um Dallas. That's fair. Yep. Well, that's is a definitely a week. I'll give you that. Mm -hmm, to yeah, find out so, you're moving. Oh. Well, it looks like we are headed back to Texas. So the my military son family life, his, Michelle. It's true. My son can return to his Texan roots. He only lived there for three weeks, but now he will live there much longer. That is pretty cool, though, for for your <laughs> for your children to kind of see different parts of the country. My week has been unique. Uh, so Michelle, years ago when I came out and visited you in Denver, your volleyball team was doing what that you were coaching. We were playing in the state championship. So my bowling team has qualified to roll in the state finals this weekend. To so, roll? Is that what you call yeah, it? Yeah, to I roll. To roll in the state finals, to roll in the state oh, championships. Oh, that's, that's awesome. So you don't say compete or play. You oh, no, say... we roll because we're bowlers. We roll the ball. I know, but, but I've never heard someone say that. I love it. Ha! But no, thank you. Uh, the, the coolest thing about coaching, and I think I realized why I like coaching, is because uh, in speech in speech therapy, we get to see our patients kind of light up when they learn something or our students, when they learn something, they light up as well. Uh, and I got to see that with my students uh, finding out they qualified for state uh, the first time since 2009. So Congratulations, that's awesome. So that was pretty cool. Also, uh, I got to give a shout out to my wife who is handling being a single mom with a child with a disability this past two weeks. Holy smokes to parents out there that have been dealing with this for years. There's a lot of hoops to jump through for some menial crap. What have you guys, if, if you so, don't mind sharing, can yeah, I ask what's, so, what's the uh, recent concern? Hope, I, I, I am not throwing shade on any help me grow folks because I know they do a lot of help. And to but, clarify is help me grow the early intervention. Mm -hmm, early intervention. Yes. Because it's different. It's called something different in every state. Is it really? Yes. Oh, well, okay. anywho's we, they said, Hey, we're going to give you $600 a year to help pay for things for your okay. daughter, which is awesome. No, you know, great. And because she was born in October, we had to come up with ways to spend the $600 before the end of the school year or before the end of the calendar year, which is fine. I went on there okay. and I contacted her SLP. Uh, Leslie is awesome. And her and I were like Facebooking each other to figure out what we could spend money on and, you know, blue skying things that we could buy. Well, they sent us checks. And do you know you can't buy an app with a check? Uh, that is not something I've tried. <laughs> so it's like the sign language learning app. Mm -hmm. And it's like only like only like a hundred dollars. So they're going to cover that. But we have a check made out to the company that makes the app. But you have to buy the app through the iPad using uh -huh. an Apple gift card. Yep. And then in the process of ordering everything, one of the companies got bought by another company. So my wife has just been rock starring it up trying to take care of everything and then they're like yeah don't buy that many batteries you crazy people you don't need nine months of batteries <laughs> so i give her all the credit man that is a lot of work yeah that that could be our shout out for today matt it's all the the parents of 
Yeah. I was going to give Michael the shout out, but yeah, we'll take it away from Mike. We'll give it to parents. I was going to do two shout outs. I'm going to take it away from the new dad and the mom <laughs> and, and his wife. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mrs. Michael is probably Mrs. Killing... Michael. I never know who like <laughs> names that we can say on air. So no names are ever being said. Your husband is Mr. Michelle until we say his name. And then I forget about baby speech science's names and all that. So. Well, we've already said his name and my son's ah. name and my daughter's name. So Michelle, I thought we'd start off this episode. And of course, we always want to hear from you. So 614-681-1798. If you've been on any of the sides of working with parents uh, and helping them get things for at home, I will love to take some techniques or tips that you all have. But Michelle. Yes. I can't hear you at all. We lost you again. There we go. Oh, you're back. All there's, I heard was my name my and then dead air. I need to get this <laughs> microphone fixed. This is going to be an episode for the ages. So Michelle, do you remember one of the things, Mrs. Wright, who is the reason that we say the be a willow. Uh, do you remember one of the things she told us in grad school? Something I remember she told us was that you should be able to, not that you want to have to, but you should be able to do therapy with a pencil and a piece of paper. Yep. I remember that. I remember her talking about therapy using a deck of cards, but mm -hmm. I wanted to expand on that a little bit. And I thought we'd spend some time here talking about some of our favorite tips and techniques or some new things that we have found that have been working in therapy. And I want to give a huge shout out to my new favorite. Oh, before we get to that, Due process. Do we want to touch on due process today? Um, I don't have one, so. <laughs> eh, we'll just skip due process. Let's stay positive. So <laughs> one of the big shout outs I want to give, and one of my favorite new things that I have found are the Dude Perfect Dudes. Dude Perfect on YouTube. Have you seen these guys? I haven't. Tell me more. All right. So Dude Perfect started off as a compilation of trick shot folks. Um, they would film themselves doing uh, trick shots of, you know, driving in a car and shooting a basketball or throwing a ball over the roof and filming it going into the basketball hoop. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, they also now do a, they're a comedy group now, obviously, because they're trying to make money and they have over 55 million subscribers. So good for them. But they also have a line of called stereotypes by Dude Perfect. And I want to say that these things are the most wonderful things to use for some of my social skills pragmatics. So I'm going to kind of play a quick thing for you here. If I can pull it up. Uh, we use these kind of in some of our roundtable discussions when I want to uh, show off to the kids kind of something funny that we're talking about. So this one is their... Movie theater stereotypes. I'll cry on movie. Dude, are you serious right now? Hey man, what's on that hot dog? Dude, why do you care? Uh, I just want a taste, not even a bite, just a taste. Don't. Going to get another hot dog. Get me one. All right, yeah, 15, that should be good. Oh, I'm, guys, I'm so sorry. These seats are all saved right here. So this I is their movie one, but they've got it on gift giving, game nights, golfing, driving. Uh, one of the ones that we were using before the Super Bowl was like Super Bowl party stereotypes, like the people that come over to your Super Bowl party. 
mm-hmm. um, how to handle yourself in a restaurant. So there is this inferencing skill. I mean, you've got a lot you can work on here. Inferencing skills. Yes. Um, just social stories in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but you're doing it with videos. Well, and some of the stuff that we talked about. So the grocery one is funny because, you know, there's the part where it says like the guy that goes to the store that's hungry. So, of course, he's picking up everything off the store and it ends that he slides under a candy machine and drops all the candy in his mouth. And <laughs> like the kids giggle and laugh and they're all middle school and high school kids that I work with. But then we can talk about like, hey, why should you not go to the store hungry? And watching the kids make the connection from the video to, well, when I go to the store hungry, I get cranky. And then I want to eat. I want my mom to buy me all the sweets. So mm, yeah, I love the dude perfect stuff. So that's great. What are some of the oddball techs or techniques or tips or tech uh, tech stuff that you have found that you like in therapy lately? Hmm. Well, it's a simple one, but one thing I love is just dance breaks. Ooh, I've not Especially used that, with- but you do little kids though, right? Yeah, for the most part, younger kids. I mean, I have some middle and high school, but mostly toddlers up through elementary. Um, and, and using it at, with our timer, like if we oh, have a timer okay. for an activity that we're doing, and then we just, that timer goes off and timer means dance break. And I like get it. up and shake your body, move around. And then sometimes I'll throw in during that if they're working on something like body parts or positional concepts and you can throw that into the dance party too or pick songs that are you know touch your toes touch your nose now how long are your your chair how long are your dance breaks Uh, you could do 10 seconds you can do 30 seconds honestly depends on your session what you're how long you're going to have the kids for and it works really well i haven't been working in a school in a while but i used it as well in the school setting um, with small groups because sometimes we just get distracted or zoned out. And um, it's just like us at our desk. We have to stand up and move around. That's fair. And that can just help you reset. My kids were struggling today answering WH questions. So I started to sing WH questions to them. I love that. This yeah. is like dad skills it right was, there. They just That's started to giggle kid, and laugh right? and do all that. Oh my gosh, right? <laughs> you um, just break into song because shoot. why not? <laughs> there is another one I wanted to show you. I found these last week. Uh, let's see, where are we at? All right. Can you see that? Now I, I can. For everyone at home, they're like, no, I'm driving Matt and Michelle. Uh, so it's called switchzoo.com. So first, I have my students using AAC devices. Let's find a habitat. So Michelle, choose a habitat. Mm, elephant. So we'll choose the elephant habitat. And then... Michelle, what head would you like to put on that elephant? Let's um, put this goat. Okay, I was having a hard time seeing. That's so now funny. we got the goat on the elephant body. And this is switchzoo.com. And then you can pick, let's pick dog legs. I bet your kids think and, this is Oh, yeah. And a hysterical. cheetah tail. <laughs> and you can just go through that. The other one, can you see this one? It's funbrain.com you find the best digital resources and i feel like this stuff is so helpful right now with teletherapy so i found a new game it's called pig pile all right and this is the one time where i wish we were going live on um youtube but we'd probably be demonetized and kicked off so it's okay but 
Pigpile I use with my AAC users or lang- middle school language kids trying to get them to follow directions. Mm-hmm. And the whole point is there's this pig standing on top of a big old pile of things and you've got to delete the things between him and the bottom. So you have a chicken and a hay bale and he falls. <laughs> Can you hear the sound on that one? Yes. And then the next level, he's got the chicken and the wood. But if I get rid of the chicken and the wood, whoa, <laughs> so you got to get him to land. And the kids love it because <laughs> the sounds that he makes. <laughs> it's making me giggle over here. Oh, I love his little hole. So those have been my 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 big digital stuff that I've been using. You you always seem to find these great digital resources. So thank you. Because I'm a video game nerd, so if I'm going to have to do something, I want to have fun with it. Mm-hmm. So we'll have the links <laughs> to those down below. Anything else um, fun or interesting you do on your therapy side? Uh, I mean, it's, I guess it is digital, but I would save sound clips or um, or pull up YouTube videos, particularly mm-hmm. when working on tying pragmatic skills with just identifying um feelings and yeah it helped i i started doing it because i had blind students oh really and the reason is because how do you teach you know when someone how do you teach being able to identify someone's feelings if you can't see their face and do you use facial expression cards right so there's often sounds that go along with that if someone is angry or frustrated or happy. So what, um, what sounds connect with it? And so we started using sound clips to help them identify what sounds would likely mean somebody is feeling a certain way. But I thought that was a great way. I've used it for years since um, with plenty of kids who are sighted and can see perfectly well because it is important. It's another piece of social language. It's not just their facial expression. And some people don't, show a lot on their face but you can tell by how they walk or how they set down their water bottle on the table or something else that they are frustrated that's such a cool idea and And it's also really easy you don't have to save the sound clips you can just pull up youtube and you know look for a sound of something yeah don't do that during a therapy session though have them (laughs) pre-stage pre-stage your tabs on that one lost your mic again there it's, I can't I mean, we touch lost the our cord. mic. Our mic is out for the night. But I can't with touch the baby. cord. Oh you my can't gosh. touch the oh. But no, like, um, I need to get this fixed before the next episode. But no, I always forget that you you spent time working at the, the School for the Deaf and the Blind in Colorado. So A lot of those little tricks that I, I would use to adapt to, I think you find this with any population you work with, but you realize that things you use to adapt something for a certain diagnosis Mm -hmm. can actually be used for plenty of other kids or plenty of other patients. Thinking of adapting things, uh, I am taking a therapeutic approach with my children now since Lent started last week. All right. Tell me. I have given up yelling at my children for Lent. All right. So, okay. So we're all therapists and most of everybody that listens to the show is therapists. We have all been spit on, kicked, bit, had our phones thrown across the room, tables destroyed, our favorite piece of art destroyed in our office. And we all go, 
say i need and a break. We redirect and right we and you go say say i need a break or use your words <laughs> tell me what you need and we are fine with it and then we walk in the door and our little four-year-old like squirts us with something or knocks something over and you're like just go get a towel so i have decided that that might not be the most effective parenting style so i am attempting to not yell at my kids for 40 days hey so are you far, breaking that on sunday are you breaking that no, no 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 but like <laughs> on a positive my four-year-old has said daddy i like this not you don't yell at me thing oh you oh. told them you were doing it oh yeah because i wanted them to be able to call me out on it <laughs> but my seven-year-old was like do i not get in trouble and i'm like oh no there are still consequences and punishment. I just won't yell at you before you get the consequence and punishment. So this is the typical um, how our families get the best and the worst of us. Right. It's I am an educator. Spouses. It's, it's true with our kids. It's true oh. with our kids to us as well. Uh, you know, they'll hold it together at school and then right. break That's down true. at home. That's true. Mm-hmm. We want to hear from you. What are you doing? What are you bringing home to try with your kids or what was a cool uh, tech or therapy thing that you have found lately? Let us know. Go to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com, email us speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com or phone call 614-681-1798. You can also text message that same number, 614-681-1798 or hashtag it up, hashtag SS. Pot. Michelle, this next article comes from US News, and I find it interesting working with home health care. I work a lot with stroke and dementia uh, rehab with adults. And the article is aphasia affects brain similar to Alzheimer's, but without the memory loss. So let's remember our Heschel's and Wernicke area. Let's remember the arcuate fasciculus, the road between the two of them. I just remember saying that, and I love that. Let's remember the pathways to our premotor cortex and motor cortex and the hippocampus and all of that. Mm-hmm. And we may be doing therapy wrong. Is that right? I, I think you're right. Well, and also even what we learned about Wernicke's and Broca's area. Did I say Heschel's? I meant Broca's area. Thank you. That's, that's okay. Um, the new research has showed that it's not so isolated to... Uh-huh those areas we've oversimplified it like many things about the brain but we're always learning more about the brain um but you're right we this is a preliminary study that of course like every study needs more research but they looked at 17 people with primary progressive aphasia and 14 people with typical alzheimer's and um compared their memory you know tested their memory in different ways because memory tests often rely on verbal skills and um, do you want to take it from there, Matt? Well, and so what I was taking away from this and, and what I thought was interesting was I, when I work with stroke and dementia patients, a lot of the therapy is related around vocabulary acquisition and memory recall because mm-hmm. a lot of my testing and there is a lot of hate for the mini mental uh, currently, I find in home health care because they don't like it because it's not the a screening great test. test. Yeah, the screening yeah. test. Uh, but I use the RIPA. Uh, I use the RIPA G2. I've used the cognitive linguistic quick test. And the issue with most of those tests is there's a verbal component and a, a patient that bombs the verbal component can come off like they have memory issues. 
And if we, I mean, what I like about this research, and of course there's more research that is needed, but what I love about this idea is, is maybe that therapy should focus more on the vocabulary word finding. Mm-hmm. Potentially. And less, yeah, pot- and potentially less on the memory piece mm-hmm. of it. Well, and I find it interesting because I'm thinking about a patient that I worked with years ago. And they said that they, you know, their actions showed that they weren't able to take their medications. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you're going to go, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go work on uh, memory with this person. Mm-hmm. But if we're looking at the way it affects the brain and the way the brain is affected, you know, cognition uh, is lower, executive functioning skills are lower. So maybe it's not that they don't remember to take their medication. Maybe they're so sidetracked and distracted by expressive language deficits. Maybe they are unable to say that they don't know what they need to do. Maybe they they can't verbalize a small part of what they don't understand with their medication, that it comes off as a whole component that they can't do their medication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and just to make sure I add in for our listeners, um, the big finding was that participants with aphasia showed no decline oh, in yes. memory Sorry. skills during the study, mm-hmm. but they had significant language skill decline. And the patients with just typical Alzheimer's had equally severe declines in both verbal memory and in language. Mm -hmm. So what I take from this also, and I do apologize, I was going to get there eventually, is that I need to improve my my evaluation process to include less verbal heavy uh, evaluations. And did it say in the article, I've got to pull it back up here. Um, I'm trying to remember if it said what did they do to test without the language? Yeah, so they were given, um, uh, they were given, they were shown pictures of common objects. And then about 10 minutes later, they were shown the same pictures along with other non-test images and were mm-hmm. asked to recall which 10 images they were shown. That they had seen before. That they had right? seen previously. Okay. So it removed the entire uh, verbal process. And then you're just relying only on the receptive language process. They're identifying mm-hmm. skill. Okay. Yeah, that helps because it's, I guess it's, for me, it's telling me I need to make sure that I'm mixing up Mm -hmm. how I'm measuring their skills. Well, and a lot of times though, like I'll get a patient in home healthcare and they don't tell me where the, the stroke happened or where Mm -hmm. you don't have the imaging on it. Yeah. So they'll just say a person had a stroke uh, eight months ago, was in assisted living and they're now at home. Mm-hmm. And I know when I did PR in home health, it was not my full-time job, but um, often you only get to see them mm-hmm. for two, three sessions. Yep. At least for me, it was very quick in and out and sometimes just one. And I, I want to say, okay, we should get imaging. We should, mm-hmm. um, you know, be able to get the full background on this patient, but sometimes you don't have the don't opportunity have for that. Well, and then this makes me wonder, like, is there a way that you can kind of rely on their memory strength to build a better expressive language uh, therapy program? Explain that more. So like my immediate thought is, is like, okay, so that we know that one of the things that we do is we teach, you know, we work on expressive language by having them do rote counting or rote phrases, what that is heavily memory. Uh, related. Like, can you sing the ABCs? Can you count the 10? But I'm wondering if we can go further 
with memorization based more, you know, they get that language out there through longer poems or songs. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think maybe okay. I'm just having an epiphany on air about how to build better therapy for a uh, primary progressive aphasia patient. Or something. We can all benefit from your on air epiphany. <laughs> so thank you. But no, that's my thought would be like, maybe we need to rely more on the memory. Um, but then again, though, I mean, I'm thinking about working with nurses who see a patient that have expressive language deficits and they automatically think, oh my gosh, they don't have memory. Their cognition mm -hmm. is gone. I've told the parents or I've told their families they have dementia. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. let's let's hold off on labeling dementia until somebody gets in there to see them. Yeah. And saying, okay, we, we've identified that they are not communicating. Right. Like, and that's usually all we know. And that's where we need to stop the what we know. Mm -hmm. But that involves us trying to educate people on the simple, what we consider the common sense of our mm -hmm. career, which is receptive versus expressive language. And breaking that down is so important because I have to break that down so often doing early intervention or working with young kids with language delays. And this is the other end of the life spectrum, reminding us to break that down for medical True. staff who are not speech pathologists. And for families to say that just because we know they're struggling with expressive language, it does not mean that we yet know the True. impact on their receptive. Well, and now I'm starting to see why people don't like the mini mental. I mean, it is all memory. I mean, mm -hmm. tell me uh, the date, the year, the month, the day of the week, what state, what county, what city, what town. It's all memory, but you're asking but, verbal it, questions. It, that's what I mean. That's yeah. what I mean. Like, yeah, okay, maybe that comes off memory because they, you know, get perseveration on one other thing. Mm -hmm. But it's, oh, man, now I got to fix what I do. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Well, when you learn more, you can make, you can make changes and we that's can all true. do better. <laughs> Let us know. What does this mean for you and your therapy setting? Looking at memory and word finding, head us up speech science podcast.com or phone call 614-681-1798. On the other I'm gonna side, tell the informed SLP. I need them to find more info on this. Yeah, <laughs> so there we go. We there we go. We'll our... reach out to, to Dr. Meredith Harold. Yes. <laughs> and crew to find out about that on the other side of the break we're going to check in with asha they have their 2021 board of director candidates up and i don't think we're going to be happy with it also we got the news and we'll check out for the week you are listening to speech science This is the story of a very special woman. Just a few knew about her superpowers. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
And now for our regular research review, brought to you by the Informed SLP. The Informed SLP releases a monthly newsletter that brings you plain language reviews of only the newest, most clinically applicable research, keeping you up to date on advances in the field and saving you tons of time. So let's get to it. Don't forget to target working memory in aphasia treatment. This is a review of the article, Working Memory Training in Post-Stroke Aphasia, Near and Far Transfer Effects, published in the Journal of Communication Disorders. Think back to that last patient with stroke you evaluated. Regardless of your setting, acute, home health, or anything in between, you probably could have filled a day with assessment of speech, language, and cognition. Then you had to figure out the plan that aligned with the patient's goals. You may have a tendency to start breaking up all of those domains into discrete parts. You could say to yourself something like, okay, I'll target language first with this task, and then we can do the speech, and then if there's time, we can do some cognitive stuff. Can you relate? Nick Ravesh et al. acknowledge that individuals with aphasia often have a combination of speech, language, and cognition impairments. Instead of targeting language skills, researchers targeted working memory in patients with Broca's aphasia. Tasks like the digit memory span, the paste auditory serial addition test, and the categorization working memory span. If these are new to you, too, they're described in the Open Access Journal article. They increased the level of difficulty of the tasks as participants had success and compared this group to the control group which received therapy focused on more traditional aphasia tasks. Some things to know about the participants. They ranged from 29 to 61 years old, which seems younger than a lot of the patients with stroke I usually encounter. Participants ranged from six to 60 months post onset of stroke, a wide range. Researchers note that there was no significant difference in average time post onset between groups. This is how they accounted for the potential impact of spontaneous recovery. And the control and experimental groups had the same treatment dosage, 15 twice-weekly sessions that lasted 60 minutes each. And participants were matched by age, gender, and severity of the language disorder. The study found the group that targeted working memory got better at working memory tasks and improved significantly on fluency, auditory comprehension, naming, and repetition. The control group did not show any significant improvement in working memory or language skills. This article got me thinking about how to get the most out of my goals. In this case, researchers demonstrate how language and cognition are intrinsically linked. Targeting more than one domain in a single therapy task might help to maximize the efficiency of therapy. Don't you love a two-for-one deal? Thanks for listening to this review. If you're interested in more, come visit us at www.theinformedslp.com. Tell us how you put the research into practice, or find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at The Informed SLP. Welcome back to Speech Science, episode number 137. I'm Matt Hot, joined by one of my best friends from grad school, Michelle Wintering. Hi, Matt. Hi, Michelle. Uh, so, Michelle, 
I have to admit that I you don't make think... me nervous every time you do that. No, 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 no. I'm no, afraid no. what you're gonna throw this out at me. This is a good so one. Michelle. This is a good one. When this show started five years ago, I remember sitting down in a Bob Evans and plotting out the format of the show. And never once while plotting out the format of the show did I think it would last five years and 137 episodes. Woo. And like 2,000 listeners an episode. So the 2,000 of y'all that listen to the show, you rock. So thank you. <laughs> they either listen to it because they know it's a train wreck or they're like, oh my gosh, I kind of like what these people say. I don't or know. An, or my mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know my mom is one, one of those 2,000. So let's be honest. <laughs> so Michelle, I have a question for you. Go for it. All right. When we have elections, what do you think of when you hear the word election? Okay, we just got over the new presidential right. election. So that's and how many candidates were there for the presidency? I mean, I'm confused. Are you asking me about ASHA elections or? Oh, we'll get there. But in general, elections. how many people do you feel that there are elections in elections? How many people do you think should be running for something? Well, there's a lot more who run for president, but right. there's really two choices. <laughs> so the asha the, the committee on nominations and elections is oh, now we're to talking present, asha there we okay. are talking asha uh the <laughs> slates for the asha boards of directors candidates elections go up april 14th through june 2nd 2021 uh the announcement of the slate opens a 30-day comment period for members to provide feedback to the cne on a candidate or candidates michelle would you like to hear the only candidate running for president-elect yes uh robert augustine would you like to hear the only candidate running for academic affairs and speech language pathology yes barbara rodriguez would you like to hear the only candidate running for vice president of audiology practice yes janice trent would you so, like to hear the only candidate is this running because for vice these president? are the only people who have been identified so far no so the way i'm reading this and of course i don't know it's off their front website it says submit candidates about the asha bod slate board of director slate it looks like these are the folks that they have nominated to run okay because i'm when did this start i guess i'm wondering if these are just the first people whose names have been nominated or if we really are looking at I, I think not this is having it. elections. This is, their, this is their candidates. This is their candidate list. Interesting. But has that ever happened before? I, 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 I mean, there have been time... times where like one position has run unopposed. Right. One position has been unopposed, but we've been doing summaries the last couple elections. Yeah. And we've gone through the whole list of candidates. So we got Rob, we got president elect, vice president for academic affairs, vice president for audiology practice, and vice president for science and research are all unopposed. Hmm. Now the board member at large in audiology, there are three people running for that position. And I don't know. This is your this. time to run for president then. <laughs> you know what? I am stepping up. It just, I don't... I don't know how I feel about this, man. Like I'm looking at this and just Googling Robert Augustine. It looks like he's got a PhD. He's the Dean of Graduate Research at Eastern Illinois University. Seems like a great dude. 
Why should ASHA members vote for you? He says, I offer comprehensive knowledge of key issues. I don't know what year this is from. I just Googled his name. But um, Well, I'm looking at the, I think the slate, the announcement of the slate opens a 30-day comment period. Mm -hmm. Are we still within that? Because I would yep. like to submit a comment to say. Give me more candidates? Yes. So I think that's why I, I, I made this a big deal today. Because I feel like we have talked for years that there is a 4% what is it, 4% of the ASHA population votes? So we know that the 3.7% of the ASHA population are males and only 4% vote. So think about how often you see a male SLP. That's about how well, I often- I talk to two of them every well, week. Well, that's true. But <laughs> the three of us all vote. So we also skew <laughs> the results. But no, think about that. Like how often do you run into an SLP? Mm -hmm. And then how many are male? Well, that's how little we're voting. And yeah. when you give us no candidates, why should I waste time to vote? Mm -hmm. But yes, you're right. Submit candidates. So if I hit a comment to submit a I comment. I just pulled it up so I can pull up my ASHA number and, uh, and make a comment to say, I would love to see more. And just in case we're wrong, click on view the slate. Yep, still the same four people running for the same four positions. <laughs> So that is what's happening in ASHA. And that also helps answer the question of why people say we always promote good things ASHA does because we want to tell you the good things they do. But also ASHA sometimes does something like this where the committee has decided that there are only four, I'm sorry, there's only one candidate open for running for president-elect and one candidate for vice presidency in three other areas. Yeah, because I want to know how those candidates are selected. I'm I'm not familiar with the process of how so, someone's name gets on that list. I know that you have to submit your name, or you submit somebody else's name, and then they you have to list your your requirements or reasons why you think you would be a good person in that position. Okay, and then the committee decides. And I mean, I, I've seen what happens at the state association side, so I'm assuming that it's like that on the national side, just with bigger, more people involved. Mm -hmm. But basically, it's like, hey, we have this list of 12 people. Everyone come up with like four people you like or five people. And then we'll whoever gets the three most votes of the committee, that's the people that we're going to put on the, the slate. Mm -hmm. So we will have the link in the show notes below. Sound off against ASHA. If you or to ASHA, I should say, not against ASHA, to ASHA. We only have 30 days to see if they can maybe add more candidates uh, in their positions. Um, we're coming up on that actually, because if it was early January that it was posted, it's kidding me started a 30 day. I'm trying to pull up that page again. Well, it? no, it says the, they will serve a third, a three-year term beginning January 1st. Okay. But when did that list come out? Cause it I said it opens a 30 day period for comments. I think it just popped up because it was on uh, Asha's okay. front page. Okay. Yeah. Tricky, tricky, Asha. So let's get this up there now. Tricky, tricky, Asha. Uh, <laughs> let us know. Let us know what you do when you talk to Asha. It is uh, speechsciencepodcast.com, 614-681-1798. We're never getting another press pass to an Asha convention, are we? I'm starting my comment to them. <laughs> I'm curious. I genuinely just would like to know how the process works well, and right. how these candidates are selected. And is it typical for there to only mm -hmm. be one? Yeah, that's my only issue. I don't care if they're all one 
race or sex or all speech therapists or all audiologists. I just want to be able to choose between more than one candidate. Give me something to vote on. Let me make a decision. Don't make the decision for me. Mm -hmm. So, and then we can argue about, should we have a male president of ASHA when 97% of our field is female? But, you know, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Let's get somebody else up there running as well. Oh, and I'm sure goodness. Dr. Robert might be a wonderful, Dr. Robert Augustine may be a wonderful person. So I do apologize ahead of time. You had an interview with the president-elect. Lynn in... Williams, yeah. Yes, she is yeah. now in charge of ASHA. Mm -hmm. She has got the presidential suite at the non-existent <laughs> ASHA convention. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Remember when we used to meet in person? We're at a year of this virtual. I know, I know. Right now, because it is officially March. Oh, let's hit our news headlines. Michelle, guess what tomorrow is? March 3rd. We're recording this on March 2nd. Guess what March 3rd is? Mar the third day of March. It's World Hearing Day. Is it really? Yeah, and ASHA, along with the Hearing Loss Association of America, uh, used this year's international observance to spotlight the domestic toll that untreated hearing loss takes on adults in the United States. So one of the things I am stepping down from my position at the state here in Ohio from the school base rep. And because of my daughter who was born profoundly deaf in one ear and moderately deaf in the other, I have decided here in Ohio that the politicians will know my name and learn to block my phone calls and text messages because here in Ohio, guess what hearing aids are considered? Cosmetic. Mm. Yep. They are in most states. Cause you know, when I wake up in the morning and decide what looks good on me, I pick up my Apple watch I puncture my eardrum and throw in my hearing aid because it's all cosmetic. Mm -hmm. I'm a little. Bit I had a lot of. Tell? I had a lot of students who, I mean, have to pay out of pocket for hearing aids because it's not considered essential, which is nuts. Now get now. I will give this. Cincinnati Children's is who we're around, and Cincinnati Children's gave us our first of hearing. Lost your mic again. <laughs> I need to buy a new USB cord. So what I was saying is that we're here in Cincinnati Children's and they gave us our first set of hearing aids for free. Mm -hmm. yep. They did the funding and the first yeah. set of molds. That's great. Oh. Cause there's a lot of, I know there's a lot of grant funding to help with that, yep. to get the early intervention side of it. But we shouldn't need the hospital to take pity on us and give us hearing aids when I have good state funded insurance. Mm -hmm. Just saying that that POs me. So, yep. Oh, the next article in the news line mask wearing prevails. People are adapting to understanding speech. Guess what, Michelle? We don't always necessarily need to see each other's mouths and always hear each other's words to understand what we're saying. And guess what? If you're wearing a mask, you might talk louder and people might understand you a little bit better. <laughs> yep. I want to be part of one of these awesome research teams, Michelle. I do too. Like <laughs> post postdoctoral fellows and uh, well, I mean, I do think it's important because it shows it that we are adapting, but it also the one part makes just perfect common sense. I think right. that <laughs> if you uh, have a mask on versus you don't, people can more quickly understand you. You know what has or been weird though? Don't mistake your words as much and going for like digital stuff. So some of my kids that don't have masks, they're at home on digital. 
I have written goals for them to produce louder speech and I am unable to work on that goal or objective for the IEP. Because like, how do you get somebody at home to be louder Mm-hmm. and then measure that yep. yeah like let me turn my volume to six and then measure it with my db meter but i don't know the last article is also from the asha leader uh the new method could aid optimization of cochlear implants for peak performance uh basically the long way around this is the university of sydney is using output signal to noise ratios uh to help identify the m- most potential for hearing uh, communication or voices based on the other person's uh, hearing ability. Okay. So do you know anything about cochlear implants, Michelle? Um, I do. I haven't worked with kiddos with them in a, a while, but when I, especially when I worked at the school for the deaf. Do you know how they like work? Um, how they're implanted and how they work. Yeah. The basics. Yes. Yeah. So this is what I was told. So I'm going to ask you if I'm right. So please correct me on air. So basically we know our cochlear and you know, it hears everything from like a hundred decibel or like a hundred Hertz to like 8,000 Hertz or whatever. Yep. Well, what they'll do, and this is the way I was explained is they'll map out and they may find that uh, for my example, my daughter, let's say her best hearing is right around 1300 Hertz. So what they'll do is they'll take the cochlear and they won't find the 1300 Hertz part of the cochlear, but they'll find the part that is the best part of that speech banana and plop it right there at 13 Hertz or 1300 Mm -hmm. Hertz. So now her 1300 Hertz might be registering the 800 Hertz of the machine. And then that's how they map the rest of that out. Is that right? Yes, correct. And I love this new research then. Yes. So, I mean, basically you're taking all the sounds that say typical hearing has Mm -hmm. and you're compressing them into a limited range of whatever that person can can hear. hear. So it's going to be different for different people. And it also means that what they hear sounds different than what you or I hear. So you'll get this, uh, Evelyn, Evie's uh, Mm -hmm. supposed to have two and a half turns on her cochlear. She's got one and a half. She is missing a whole turn. She has cochlears already? Or co- cochlea? Co- co- Her cochlea, okay. Yeah, co- <laughs> I was like, wait, when did she get an implant? Can you tell that I am that. a speech therapist and not oh, an Oh, it's all good. I got, I, I was like, how did I miss that, Matt? No, 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 no. That's like six more months down the road. And but. I'm like, she's not old enough. <laughs> no, 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 no. She is not old enough. But okay. she does wear the aviator cap well with her hearing aids. But good. no, so uh, she's got one and a half turns. So okay. I have no That's idea what that means. But yeah. Well, the cochlea, the you know, you look, if you look, go look at ear anatomy, go back to your hearing science book. <laughs> so you're talking about the curvy part of the ear that looks like the snail. Yep. No, I know what it looks like. I just yeah. don't know what it does for her hearing. So yeah, that's fascinating. I'm I'm curious as you guys learn more about what. Oh, um, we'll talk about it on air. I am what she can open do. book as I bug the politicians to change the law here in Ohio. So. I do know I'll have to find some, but there are, are websites and it's not going to be perfect because again, a cochlear implant for one person is going to sound right. different based on their range of hearing. And that's why um, the mapping you talked about. So that's why audiologists will work with cochlear implant patients um, to map and remap until they get to a point where it's comfortable and they can best identify 
the sounds in their environment to understand them. So the cochlear implant has to be remapped every so often, especially oh, really? as they're learning. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're learning to discriminate sounds. Um, and it can also be some some of my coworkers who had them who were deaf um, would talk about it being uncomfortable and, and even painful to hear um, the different sounds that their oh. their brain and their body had not heard before. Oh, so really? It can take some some adjusting to be comfortable. Well, awesome. Looking forward to that with a nine month old child, ten month old child who cannot verbalize that they're in pain other than the same cry that they use for when they're hungry, sleepy, tired, or the humidity is not right. <laughs> Matt, you are, you are doing a wonderful job. <laughs> and Evie is going to be just oh. fine. And she has you and Kim as her advocates. Oh man. Baby speech science 3.0 or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 5.0. I don't even remember which number she is at this point. We've had too many children on this show. Well, in the last four months, we've had too many children. Oh, man. We have more <laughs> children than we need. All right. That is wrapping up our show. Michelle, what are you doing this week? What are you looking forward to? Oh, non-therapy non related. I am looking forward to, I'm getting back into some workouts. Ooh, there you go. I need to do that, man. So I'm looking forward to moving my body more again. What are you doing? What do you know? Uh, there's a, a workout group on base here. We're meeting virtually right now, um, but the coaches um, are putting out workouts every day during the week and I'm trying to get back into those. So it's a wide variety of, of nice. exercises. Yeah, with a planned out program. Mm -hmm. I need to start doing something. I have DDP yoga and I need to get yeah. back into that. I loved it when I did it. And then the pandemic hit and I started to run every day and then it got hot. So then and I then stopped <laughs> and then I haven't done it since. So I would really, really love to get back doing swimming. It was one of my oh, favorite workouts. Fun. But since I have had children, I haven't <laughs> been able to swim laps because with my son, my firstborn, my oldest, he, I swam through my whole pregnancy and including past my due date because he oh, came so late yeah, yeah. Um, and it was one exercise that was comfortable even that pregnant but uh, unfortunately it's a lot harder to go swimming when you have kids yes, you it can't is. just it's like pull the anything. kid in a raft as you swim or that's something a good, that's your exercise <laughs> just pull them in the pool <laughs> I think I am looking forward to we will be co I'll coach the state finals this Saturday oh yeah so when this episode drops it'll be about three days ago that I coached in the state finals so well, let me know we'll get a post up on on Instagram and fingers whatnot. crossed that we do cool. we if we finish the top eight that's all I kind of want to do if there's 16 teams well. if we finish the top eight that means we made it to the championship rounds so that's great is it done all in one weekend all one day one day we'll bowl three individual games and three team baker games and then they'll cut the field from 16 to 8 and then it's best three out of five head-to-head -head competition okay so it is i hope that the roll goes well thank you i hope we roll well as well all right <laughs> i said it wrong <laughs> it's fine i it's fine where is our credits there it is our opening music is please listen carefully by jazar it's licensed under attribution and sharing like license our bump music was the county fair rock copyrighted john deku find his music at soundcloud.com slash dirt dog music the informed slp music was at the count by broke for free it's licensed under creative commons attribution license and the closing music is the slow burn by kevin mcleod also licensed under a creative commons attribution 
license. Head over to our website, merchandise.speechsciencepodcast.com. Michelle's going to throw up some new stuff eventually. It's now your fault, Michelle. Not <laughs> Don't my put this on me. <laughs> Don't put that, that stuff on me, Bobby. <laughs> uh, in the immortal words of Janice Wright, always be a willow. The mighty oak looks strong until the storm, and then it'll crack. The willow will bend and return to form. For fellow willows, Michael McLeod, who is not here, and Michelle Wintering, who is. I am Matt Hot. Until next week, so long, everybody. Bye. Science is edited and produced by MWH Production. Please follow Speech Science on Twitter at Speech Science PC and like our page on Facebook. For more original podcasts, please visit exceptionaled.com and rate and subscribe to our podcasts anywhere you get your podcasts.